Good morning, Zion. Good to see you. Kids are going to go downstairs, and they're going to learn exactly what we are going to learn today. Our Kids Zone people have been working hard on uh, coordinating with what we learn uh, up here along with what they're doing downstairs. So it gives parents and grandparents opportunity to kind of talk about what uh, they are studying uh, together. And so I hope you're able to do that. Uh, if you've been to our home, you know there's plants and trees everywhere on our lot and so forth. Uh, some of them we haven't planted, and there's a, I'm sure you're familiar with it, it's a hawthorn tree, right? Nasty tree, isn't it? I mean, it's full of spikes. Uh, I mean, I get, I get poked and scratched just by looking at it. I had a, I had a cut one down a few, a few months ago, and it's, you know, it's the tree that you would see like in a Disney movie where they're walking, like Snow White's walking through the forest, and it's this thorny, gnarly tree, and they're just awful. Now, if, if you came over there and I was thinking, you know, I don't like that tree anymore. I want that tree to be an apple tree. So I go to the hawthorn tree with some string and a bunch of apples and hang apples off of it. It wouldn't work. It's still a hawthorn tree. It's still the weed of the tree family, right? I mean, it's, it's just not a nice tree. We're going to look at today, or starting today, looking at fruit. And when it comes to the fruit of the Spirit. And just to right off the bat, we see that while there's a list of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, it's singular, isn't it? It's not the fruits of the Spirit, it's the fruit of the Spirit. They go together. And this is in the book of Galatians. And this letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia, because Galatia is not a city like, like to Corinth, where there's probably just one church, or to Ephesus, where there was at that time just one church. Galatia is a region, what is now modern-day Turkey. And so this letter hopefully circulated around the various churches in that section of the world. He wrote a strongly worded letter. Why? Because what was happening as the church is leaving Israel, and this area was right just north of Israel, then the non-Jews or the Gentiles were starting to get the gospel message. It was spreading. It was one of the first missionary areas that Paul himself went to along with Barnabas. And we teaching them about the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus and that you just need to believe. Well, some other little false teachers crawled in there and started saying, uh, you know what? You need to also follow the Jewish law, the Old Testament, specifically the, the commandment to be circumcised. Now, if you're an adult and, God, and you're told you have to be circumcised as an adult male, that just doesn't sell with me. I mean, that would be a little hard. But to say, if you want to get saved, that's what you had to do. That's what they were teaching. Well, this violates the grace of Jesus. And Paul writes this strongly worded letter. I mean, in every other letter he writes, even the Corinthian church, that was just, you know, a, a train wreck with all the different issues they were dealing with. Paul starts every letter with, hey, I love you, I'm praying for you guys, hope to see you soon. But not the letter to Galatians. He's ticked off because he's so upset about this false doctrine coming through. Now, there are points where he's, he speaks very compassionately and caring to them 
but it's a very strongly worded letter. And, you know, he asked at the beginning of this chapter of chapter 5 we're going to look at here, you were running well, but what happened? You were doing well in your faith. And he said, look, you're free from following rules. You are now changed from the inside, from the gospel. This is going to naturally come out of you as a fruit. And he, they were using their, their freedom for the sake of not just doing whatever you want to do, but the freedom to do things and help others. It, this is a key to the understanding of the fruits of the Spirit. Because these are items, these are issues and fruits that really can't be done on your own. I mean, you could. You could sit all by yourself at home and think, gee, I'm feeling very loving to everyone. But what good does that do if you're all alone? Or, or you want to be patient with someone. Well, it's hard to be patient unless you're around people who irritate you. And so, right, so, so you, you need people around to actually experience these fruits as well. And again, as we said, this is written to churches, not to the world. So as we look at the fruit of the Spirit and we see things like kindness, we think, wow, don't, doesn't our world need to be more kind? Yes, it does. But Paul's not writing to them. He's not writing to the world. He's writing to churches, to believers like you and I. This is fruit for Christians. Just we need to understand the audience. So let's jump all the way into chapter 5. I'm going to read 16 to 21 here about, uh, before we get into the fruit, just to get where he's going to lay his foundation, where you plant the seed for this fruit to come about. So verse 16, after all that lead up, he says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He's saying, he's saying the same thing. If you are, are born again, if you're a new believer, you're going to be, have the ability to fulfill all the things of the law. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. So he's going to give this negative list. We're not going to hardly spend any time with these. But if you're not a believer, these, this is the kind of stuff or the kind of fruit that's going to come out. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like this. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. He's not talking about a believer who stumbles onto one of these from time to time. He's saying this is the fruit of someone's life, this kind of stuff. Now, in there, with the very beginning of this is a key to understanding really the whole series. If you're here today, I'm so glad because you're going to get this. And, by, and I'll be repeating it, though, because the question is, okay, how do we have the fruit of the Spirit, which I'll get to in a minute, the specifics. The key's in the very first command. He says, walk in the Spirit. There's actually three references in the whole section we're going to cover. Uh, and just so we're clear, some people wonder, is, is Paul really talking about the Holy Spirit 
or something else or living on a spiritual level. It really seems like he's talking about the Holy Spirit and not uh, another level or a spiritual level, but the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity. Uh, it just makes the most sense. So the first thing he says is, well, you walk by the Spirit. Now, what does that mean to walk by the Spirit? If you've ever um, walked arm in arm with someone, I mean, we were watching some uh, period pieces, older older uh, movies, and and also or movies that were uh, written back, you know, 40s, 50s, 60s, especially in Europe, and it didn't matter how well you knew a, a man or a woman, or at least acquainted, is the men would escort the ladies. You know, she would just, here, just met someone, she'd take a guy's arm, and that's what you did. If you've ever done that, you have to kind of walk in rhythm, in the same, you know, left foot, right foot. Otherwise, you just kind of, it's awkward. And so I think that's what he's referring to here, kind of a similar way. The word he's using for walk is the literal word for walk, like I'm walking to the store. But to walk with the Spirit is to essentially walk in the same rhythm as the Holy Spirit does. You're not kind of jerking around or, or not able to, to kind of find your rhythm together. Um, my daughter and I actually, a few months ago, went to a... Uh, uh, a class on ballroom dancing. And it was, it was actually very revealing to me because uh, in, in ballroom dancing and in a lot of dancing, you have someone who leads and someone who follows. And it was amazing. And this couple has been, you know, they've been dancing together for years. And he said, now watch. It was a husband and wife. He said, watch. I'm going to move left, right, backwards, but I'm not going to tell my wife what I'm going to do. And so they, they got in the dancing position, and he's turning left around. He's spinning. He's going backwards. He could have done a figure eight if he wanted to with his wife following step by step. As he put his foot forward, she moved her opposite foot back. It was just this perfect rhythm and they've just been dancing together for so long that's really what dancing is and I thought boy that dancing with the star stuff's more complicated than I thought it was because you have to learn how to first of all lead and then the person following has to pick up those cues but she he brought her all around the dance floor with different moves and backwards and forwards because she was walking in step with him so when it says walk in the Spirit, walk in the Holy Spirit, I think that's the same kind of idea. Uh, later on in the passage, we read, be led by the Spirit, kind of a similar idea. Instead of being following a list of rules like the law, you're led by the Spirit of God. Later in verse 25, Paul writes, live by the Spirit or keep in step with the Spirit. And so these, these ideas tell us and uh, how to live according to the direction of the Spirit. So that's the key. The way you get the fruit of the Spirit is to, is to walk in the Spirit. It is, this is not going to be a series on how to be more loving. It's not going to be a series on how to be more kind or more patient. It's a series on how to walk in the Spirit. And when you have that, you're going to have the fruit that's going to come out. 
So the, what is the fruit of the Spirit? What should we see? When someone walks with the Spirit, when they're led by the Spirit, what do you see come out? What, and, and really more than just come out, but what do they recognize in their very hearts? Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit, remember he just did the deeds of the flesh, icky stuff, stuff that you, you look at, it's like no wonder, no wonder our culture is getting so bad is because that's what everyone's doing. Very self-centered, very narcissistic, very harmful to other people. But in contrast, the fruit of the Spirit is, verse 22, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So these are not rules. Oh, I need to be more loving. I need to be more patient. These are not checklist kind of things. This is just the stuff, the natural byproduct that comes out of a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If I want an apple tree, I need to plant an apple seed. If I want the fruit of the Spirit, I need to implant that Spirit. It needs to be part of me. That comes with salvation, but it also comes with some other things we'll get into later. Literally, this idea of fruit of the Spirit is the expression, the harvest of the Spirit. I like that. The harvest of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit in a complete contrast with deeds of the flesh. They have nothing to do with one another. They are opposed to one another. You cannot live in both worlds. Well, how do we get it? Now, eventually we're going to land on love today, so get ready for that. But how do, you, how, do you, how do you have the fruit of the Spirit? So you look at the command, walk in the Spirit. Okay, how do you do that? How do you do that? How, do we, how are we led by the Spirit? How do we live by the Spirit? I'm going to kind of gather a lot of things in from other places in Scripture and other things Jesus has talked about. But the first one is an attitude that is, is very important. It's, it's being humble. It's being teachable. Maybe, maybe you consider yourself, I'll just use this as an example, a pretty patient person. What? Wonderful. Maybe you're more patient than others. Good. But don't think you've arrived in patience. Then, you, then we start to lose that teachableness, that humility to say, what else, how else can I be more patient with people, even if it's something that is a, a skill for you? But that, that attitude starts with everything. If we're not humble and teachable, first of all, you're not, probably pride's not walking with the Spirit. But if, if you don't think you have anything to learn, then guess what? You won't learn anything. There's always more. I've worked with teachers who thought they never had anything else to learn in their area of study. And they became very stagnant in their teaching and in, in what they were trying to teach others. We can't be that way. You might be very good with one of those fruits, but always be humble and teachable. God, is there more for me? Holy Spirit, is there something else, that, some other area that I need to grow in, even though maybe I could see some 
change in my life and in my heart that you've already done. We're not there yet. Search out. Another way to walk in the Spirit is to, is to pray a very dangerous prayer. Say, God, search me and try me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Psalm 139 is a great one to read and look at. God, is there something that you need to reveal to me? Because if you're like me, you're blind to your own faults and those areas that you need to learn. That's part of that humility and teachableness. Seek his direction and correction through the words. Why we emphasize and, and say, boy, you've got to be in the word every day so that the Holy Spirit can use that and speak to your heart, uh, not just on a Sunday, although that's good too, but to seek his, his will, his life, his characteristics that he wants to bring out in you. Prayer as well. The church, and not, well, Sunday morning is part of that, but we are given to one another that we might encourage one another in the faith and become more and more like him. And then along with that is just to listen. We are not just gathering facts. It's great to get together with people and have Bible studies, and, but as Americans, we tend just to gather data. But what difference is it making in our lives? It goes beyond just gathering facts and knowledge. Be willing to change. In John 15, Jesus uses the example of a vine and a branch. He calls it abiding. And that's, it's a very Bible-ish word. I don't know if you ever use the word abiding in your regular conversations or not. But it means continuing or being connected. So as the branch is abides with the vine. If you want to have fruit come out of you, you got to be connected. What happens when to a branch that you cut off? What's it going to do? Is it going to bear fruit just laying there? No. It's going to wither and die. You got to be connected to the Spirit of God. It is a moment-by-moment listening and independence. Friends, if you walk with the Spirit, His fruit will be evident. It'll be evident. If you walk in the flesh, those deeds will be evident. If, uh, it just depends on what you plant. A friend of mine was struggling with a, I, I guess a career move, and he couldn't make a decision. And he, and he ended up going to a, a counselor, a Christian counselor, and this counselor was ir- irritated him. My friend's name was Jay. And Jay was, Jay was frustrated because he couldn't make this decision and he's finally you know, going to go see this counselor and he was late for the appointment and he was already started, Jay was already really irritated. And the counselor says, Jay, are you, are you like this a lot? Just kind of irritated, kind of annoyed, kind of frustrated with people. And he said, yeah. He said, Jay, are you like that now? He goes, oh yeah, I'm a little annoyed with you. He says, well, that's a deed of the flesh. Impatience, frustration, divisions. That's, that, how can you make a decision, Jay, if you're not walking with the Spirit where the fruit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness? And Jay all of a sudden realized he's right. And I'm even more irritated him because he's right. If you're walking in the flesh, you're going to get the deeds of the flesh. 
If you're walking in the Spirit, you're going to get the fruit of the Spirit. If you're not experiencing the fruit of the Spirit, you're not walking in the Spirit. It's as simple as that. That's the key to, the, to this whole series, is walking in the Spirit. That's how we get them. So let's deal with the first one of love. It's the first fruit of Again, the collection of fruit listed. If, if you are walking in the Spirit, you should see love. You should see it. This is the word, and if you're familiar with New Testament words for love, there's like three or four different ones of them. This is the one called the agape love. This is the sacrificial love. This is the John 3.16, for God so loved the world love. It's the same word, agape. The antonym, of course, is hate. It's a sacrificial love. Uh, one, one commentary said it's the in, inner inclination of people toward other people or things. It's more mental than sentimental. So it's not Hallmark movie love. It's a decision. It is, it is a, uh, a commitment of sacrifice. It's used a ton a ton of times in the New Testament. 235 times that word is used in the New Testament. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, there's a, there's a lot we could say. I mean, we could do a year's worth of sermon series just on love and still not cover everything. There's the love of God for us. There's the love uh, for other people. There's our love for God. I mean, the first and second commandment. What's the greatest commandment, Jesus? Oh, love God. Same word, only in command form. Oh, and love other people. Same words. So we could, do, we could deal with those. In fact, we have. So what we're going to do, just to kind of bring it down into a little manageable time here, is look just at this letter of Galatians and say, how does Paul use this word just in Galatians? Okay? So there's about, there's about four other times. So let's back up to try and get an idea of what he means by love. This, again, is the fruit we should see by walking in the Spirit. Chapter 2, verse 20, 220 in Galatians. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. Paul was the chief of sinners. Paul was persecuting the church, yet God loved him. God loved him and gave him new life. It's Jesus' love for Paul. And he explained, he's been explaining the difference between trying to be a rule follower of God versus a lover of God, between law and grace. Only Jews and anyone, whether you're a Jewish person or a non-Jewish Gentile person, this is... This is how you get to God, by his grace. You cannot earn it. It is a gift. It is just from him. Well, why did God offer grace in the first place? Love. Because we were lost. We were walking dead people, like it says in Ephesians chapter 2. We're enemies of God. Someone's got to love you an awful lot. That even though you hate his guts, they still love you enough. And so he offers his grace or his agape sacrificial love. 
it would cost Jesus his life to show you how much he loved. That's a pretty good fruit, isn't it? By the way, all the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, they all reflect the character of God. God is love. There's another time where that word occurs, and it's in the very same chapter of the list of the fruit of the Spirit we read. Chapter 5, verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Remember I told you there were people saying you had to follow these laws, especially the law of circumcision. And Paul says, look, it gets you nothing. It doesn't get you anything. You are saved by grace through faith, made possible again through Christ's love. Now this last verse is just right before this section on the fruit of the Spirit. And these are the third and fourth other times it's used in this letter. He says, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So again, we're right, we're right at that point, right where he's going to talk about the deeds of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. He says, in your old life, you hurt other people. You were selfish. You were just caught up in me, 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 me. But he says, love one another instead. Don't use your freedom. Your freedom is in Christ is not, well, I could do whatever I want. That's not biblical freedom. Biblical freedom is freed from sin, free from all those things that hurt each other. In contrast to the, to the deeds of the flesh, they're not loving. If you go back and look at that list, not a single one of them is loving. Very narcissistic. But you're called to freedom. You don't have to obey all the law. You don't have to be perfect to be saved. You're free. You're free then to serve one another with sacrificial agape love. He says, if you want to follow the law, well, he quotes the law. Love your neighbor as yourself. Follow that law. Doesn't that kind of cover a lot of our laws? Like loving God and loving others. That's why Jesus said they're the first and second commandment. If you do those, you'll do all the Ten Commandments automatically. It's like, okay, two's easier for me to remember than ten. What a deal. But they really sum up all the law. So he says, okay, love your neighbor as yourself. What does that mean? Now, a few years ago, we covered that uh, in, a, in another series. And we talked about who is my neighbor. Well, first of all, there's your geographic neighbor. Okay, Turn to the pe- person to your left and to your right. Look at them. That is your neighbor. They are the closest person to you right now. And of course, that also means the people who live near us at our homes. If you're like me, we're not so close together. Maybe you live in a more uh, residential area where you you could throw rocks at each other's house if you want to. Uh, But I can still see my neighbors. So yes, it does certainly mean that geographic neighbors, the people around town that we deal with. I was... I was heading to the bank the other day and uh, went through the drive-thru. And I just had a check I needed to deposit. That's all I needed to do. And normally, boy, they're right there. They're right at the window. And, and so I'm waiting. I'm getting there, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. It's like, ah, what's going on, you guys? 
And the little voice of the Holy Spirit said, be patient. Remember, that's a fruit of the Spirit? Okay. And turns out they were, the phone was ringing off the hook. They were having a really bad morning and, and they were trying to get everything set up. I was early in the morning. The bank was just opening. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, they know me. I'm sorry, Joe, I'm late. And I said, oh, it's okay. I just want to deposit this. And, and said, hey, I hope things calm down for you later. That wasn't me talking. That was the Holy Spirit. Because unfortunately, I was walking in the Spirit, and that love and that patience came out to my neighbor. That's love. Those nearest, they're relationally family members, spouses, kids, parents, uncles, aunts, brothers, sisters. Those are also neighbors. But remember who he's writing to? He's writing to churches. So we are all neighbors of one another. That love should be seen as well. And then, but look at that verse. Love your neighbor as yourself. What, is, what does that mean? And, you know, I get, I get up in the morning, and you probably do too. You start, well, I got to take care of this. I got I to gotta shower. I got to, uh, you know, uh, find you know, clothes that, that look okay on me today. I'm going to brush my teeth. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm usually thinking, too, as early as the morning of what we're having for dinner, especially if it's my turn to cook. And so I'm already thinking about, I'm thinking about taking care of myself. You know, do, you know, am I wearing the same color socks? All that kind of stuff to make sure that I look okay. And then I thought, well, so, so what is Paul saying? I got to love my neighbor as myself. Well, part of the way I love myself is I brush my own teeth. So are we... Should we brush each other's teeth? That would be weird. We won't ever, ever do that. Now, he's not saying you do those things, but it's, what he's saying is all that effort that we spend loving ourselves, taking care of ourselves, that same kind of passion, that same kind of desire needs to be loving one another too. That's agape giving love. So he's not saying we do those things for each other, but we, we have that same desire to, to love that way. Well, let me review. We had two thoughts really today. First one was on walking with the Spirit. If you're not walking in the Spirit, this whole June and July set of series is going to be irrele irrelevant to you. It'll just be nice thoughts. Okay, you don't change the tree. You don't hang apples off a hawthorn tree and think you got it all together. You change the tree. You plant, you plant the tree of the Holy Spirit. Pay attention to those things as well. They should be like red light warnings going off. of saying, Well, that doesn't quite apply to me. Let me tell you, my friend, yes, it does. And the fact that if you're dismissing it probably means that it applies mostly to you. But watch out for those commands that you think don't quite apply or the, or the situation like, well, I know I'm supposed to love this other person, but I really don't. But you don't know what they've done to me. Watch out for those exception clauses because there aren't any. And they should wake us up. The command, walk in the Spirit, is also a plural command. Yes, it applies to us individually, but it's a y'all, you all walk in the Spirit. 
So no one is exempt from any of those. You cannot, as I mentioned earlier, obey that command in isolation. You can't sit at home on your couch and think, okay, I'm walking in the Spirit. Well, maybe you are, but you're not going to see the fruit until you are out there and dealing with other people. It would be irrelevant. Again, think how irrelevant that is. If you're just sitting all by yourself and, you know, it's like how, how patient do you need to be? How loving do you need to be? There's no object of those. Kindness. How are you kind all by yourself? Living in isolation. We are very independent-minded as a people and as a country. We got to think more of the y'alls, you all, and, and, and make sure that we're understanding these are all that go together, all of us. Maybe you looked at that list and you think, boy, I have some struggles with some of those fruits. Well, we're glad you're here. Then it's a step of faith saying, believe, believe that God has power. Believe that he says, it's, remember we talked about humility, saying, God, I can't be patient with so-and-so. I can't be kind. I, I don't have that in me. That's a great place to be. But say, God, you have the power to transform me. You can. I, I can testify the transformation that God has done and is doing, and I've got a long way to go, but the, the, the old deeds of the flesh are, are slowly and slowly getting work, working their way out. Sometimes I slip back into them, but for the most part, he is helping me be more like him and those fruits. But it takes a time where you say, God, I can't do this. I can't get over my anger. I can't, I don't have self-control apart from you. You don't have to live in defeat or in secret sin. Start trusting the Holy Spirit to make that change. Confide in another brother or sister. Get prayer, get support. And then, in, in, but if you don't start with a humble attitude, you won't have that victory. If you think, well, I'll just figure it out on my own. That's not humble, that's arrogant. Seek the Holy Spirit. And in summary of love, mention loving others as ourselves. Consider all that time and effort we place on ourselves. And these are things we need. We all need to sleep. We all need time. We all need money and grooming and all those things. They're necessary. We have to change our, our attitudes toward our neighbors that their needs are necessary as necessary. That's who you love someone as yourselves. And we all need attention as well. There are some hands-on hands on ideas. Uh, there, are, there are ministries right within our church of, from uh, mowing our field to tech to kid zone I mean, talk about uh, ministries that have an effect for generations. Working with our kids, teaching those same lessons they're learning up here. Uh, first impressions, custodial, all, you know, counting team, all these different areas where we, we rely upon one another that loves each other. Those are practical ways. Worship team. And don't think of it, though, as, you're, as filling a slot on a schedule. Well, they need someone to work on kids. I guess I'll do it. No, it's loving the kids and their parents. That's the motivation. Uh, 
there could be other things. We need, I mean, we need each other. Maybe someone needs some time. Maybe they need some money or, or someone to watch their kids or mow a lawn or other home project or financial help. There's all different ways we could show love to one another. Let's spend some time praying. And if you're thinking, are we going to do like we've been doing where we do two pause and, no, we're back to one pause and pray time, in case you were curious. But let's, talk, let's, let's praise God for leaving his Holy Spirit for us. Aren't you glad, aren't you glad God didn't say, okay, be like Jesus, you're on your own, see ya. Wouldn't that be terrible? And then imagine that time where Jesus is having this chat with his disciples. He's been talking about dying and leaving them. And what are we going to do without Jesus? Oh, no. And he says, guys, it's better that I leave. <laughs> and I think, what are you talking about? It's better that you leave, Jesus. That's what I would have said. And he would have said, it's better that I leave because I'll leave you the Holy Spirit. It's, he'll be better. He'll be better. And again, if you're familiar with the doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, co-equal, co-eternal, co-everything, and then it's like, so how's one better? I don't know. But <laughs> Jesus said it was better that you're going to get the Holy Spirit and he will help you. You can walk with him. So let's praise God for leaving his Holy Spirit for us. And then starting today, maybe you're thinking, boy, oh, not really doing that, not really obeying that command. Well, then, then pray that. Start saying, God, I want to walk with your spirit today. And specifically, maybe God has spoken to you of a way to show love as a fruit, as an outgrowth of walking in the spirit. I will show love by, and you could fill in the blank. If you would like to pray out loud today, great. If you don't, then just pray quietly with us, and we'll go as long as we need to. So let's, uh, let's bow our heads, and uh, whoever would like to start us off may, and then I'll close us off. Let's pause and pray. Sometimes when I read the Gospels, I, I feel a bit envious of the disciples being able to walk along with you and see everything you did. But since then, since your ascension, you've left the Holy Spirit for us, we have not been left alone. And so, Holy Spirit, I'm, I, I give you all the, the credit. Every, every good fruit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, has been you. Has been you working through and, and changing uh, me from the inside out. That I really could love, not out of a duty, not out of following a rule, not out of... of tithing herbs and uh, following rules. But Lord God, to really love, to have that love for others, to express that. Uh, as much as I love myself, Lord, having that same passion, that same desire uh, of care that I put into myself that I could put toward others. That is your work. That is your doing. And it's supernatural. It is a miraculous thing to see those things come out in our lives and hearts. And Lord God, someday you're going to be finished with us and we're going to be changed and we're going to be made uh, with all these things. The new heaven and the new earth 
are going to be characterized by all this fruit. That's how it's going to be because it reflects you. God, I want to walk in your spirit every moment, every day, whether I'm tired, whether I'm frustrated or annoyed, whether I'm stuck at yet another red light, whether someone is uh, living a life that, that Lord, I, I see stuff that is just offensive. But Lord, the fruit of the Spirit is love. And I want your Spirit to give me that kind of change. And Lord, open up the opportunities for us to love one another. This doesn't happen in a vacuum. It happens with all of us together. Even, Lord, as we continue to worship you in the remaining time we have together, we do so with one voice as your family. In your name, amen. The worship team comes up. I'll go ahead and go over a few announcements. I've been mentioning Kids Camp. There's about a month left, I think, for the cards. Uh, If you want to, again, wanted to help with that. Also, if you want to sign up, you want to, maybe there's a neighborhood kid or grandkid or or son or daughter, you would like to go to camp. I think it's third through sixth grade. And so it is at Little Mahoney Camp near Punxsutawney. Uh, And it's it's $99, and that covers their food, their transportation. You meet over at the Clarion Campus. And so uh, Kids Camp is coming up in the middle of July. And and if you can't help those ways, there are ways to help there up on the board there with one of those cards. Make sure you tear off uh, the card. Give your your name and what you're doing to Amy. And then the other part's just your reminder so you can uh, remember what you've committed to do. Uh, You should have gotten the budget in your mail. If you're on our mailing list, you've got a copy of our next fiscal year budget that'll be effective on July 1st. And I don't have hard copies today, but I should next week. If you didn't get that, everyone's welcome to look at it. Uh, And uh, please see Tom or myself if you have any questions. Uh, That way we can um, put your mind at ease uh, and you can see where we're at. There's a a new missionary we're uh, hopefully going to be supporting uh, coming up, and I'll give you some more information for him as well. Uh, let's see. Two, oh, Life Group. Tuesday night uh, is starting. I, I put six. Did we say six since it's a potluck? Yes. Yeah. So 6 p.m. Normally when we eat, we meet a little earlier. It's not going to be here. It's going to be at the Rupp's home. They're, they're on vacation today. But if you go toward the past the Corners restaurant, if you know where the, just before you get to the metal place, I can't remember the name of it. CMC Metals, right before that. There's also right before that storage locker place. Uh, They're on the right. It's 1044 Catanning Pike. And we'll meet at 6. We'll be there all summer. Uh, And they have, even if it rains, they have an overhang and everything. And that'll be, that particular Tuesday will be a potluck. And so bring a dish to share. We're uh, still in the book of Romans, but we're kind of at a turning point. So it's a good place, good time to start. It'd be at 8 p. or be at Romans chapter 8. I knew there was an 8 in there somewhere. Uh, we'll, so that's where we just kind of go through and we learn a little bit more about what Paul is communicating there. Uh, so join us for Adult Life Group. Ready?